Welcome to the podcast Proof is in the pudding A podcast for sales engineers by the sales engineer In this podcast we bring special guests and discuss topics relevant to the sales engineers and sales engineering leaders This podcast is produced by Success Platform success.app a purpose built platform for making product evaluations successful Now without any further ado let's start this episode Hi, today we have a guest in our podcast, Greg Holmes. Greg is the regional VP of pre-sales at Aptio. He has worked in pre-sales leadership roles for many years, and he has been pretty active in pre-sales collective, and he helped founding the leadership collective at pre-sales. Hi, Greg, how are you? Hi there, Vic. Good to meet you again. Uh, good to meet you too, Greg. I think we have been discussing for a long time, and finally uh, we managed to join here in the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. Good to be here. Sure. Uh, how about we start with uh, your journey in pre-sales? There is always an interesting story there. Um, how did you get into pre-sales? Yeah, for me, it was was back in the depths of time, of course, but uh, it was quite exciting. Um, I was a graduate from university. I'd, I'd worked my way through university doing coding, and you know, I thought I was going to be an application engineer, right? So when I graduated, I found a, a local software company in Australia um, who was looking for people, for graduates to join them. Uh, but I was joining as a consultant. And it was funny because uh, I got through the interview process and everything really well. You know, it was quite exciting. They were using some of the latest Windows features there, Windows Server features to, to, to launch software deployment and things like that. But um, when I joined, they were asking me on, you know, just as I was joining the, the organization, do I want to be uh, more of a pre-sales consultant or a post-sales consultant? And I didn't really know what the difference was or what it meant at the time. So I just, I, I thought for a few seconds and leaned on the pre-sales when it sounded a little bit more exciting. Um, I don't think it came with any major differences opposed to just the kind of work that I'd get exposed to at the early early time but for me it was really exciting because it was more about meeting people you know you know selling the software for the first time going in and discovering what the challenges for a customer was um, and I did my fair share of, of post-sales work as well uh, but I, I did find the the pre-sales aspect really interesting and a great way to get started. Yeah and that's a great story. I have known you for a while and I know that you are pretty active in the pre-sales community and like uh, we talked about, you are uh, you have helped founding Leadership Collective at Presource Collective, which is an amazing community. I also know that you write on the salesengineeringguy.com and there's a lot of content uh, for the people who are listening here. How, how have you seen the pre-sales evolving over the years and um, the kind of attention it is getting now? How do you see it now? Yeah, I, I feel like there's been massive change, right? Now there are plenty of resources for people, right? You can listen to podcasts, you can read books. There's plenty of websites to look at. You know, there's organizations to join and help you build yourself up, uh, which is great. I encourage people to, to try all of those things and, and build themselves up as in pre-sales and make it a, an exciting part of your career. Um, but, but I'd say back in the beginning for me, there wasn't much, um, you know, outside industry things to help you, right? Um, some of my, my favorite books I did read and, and helped me along the way. So I, I'd call out the Great Demo book by Peter Cohen 
I also call out the Mastering Technical Sales book by John Kerr as two of the things that really got me going in the, in the early days and, and understand what the role was about. But I think you, you had to do a lot of the learning yourself as well, right? That, that's why I started a blog eventually was, was to really help myself get my ideas out there and straightened out and get comments back from, from you know, the, the internet of the day. Uh, but um, I, I think at the time, you know, as I was starting and in the first few years, the organizations were starting to see a need for a formalized role, right? So it changed from being, let's just grab the best looking techie or you know the the person who can string the words together so that business people get it um, and explain you know in plain terms or in layman's terms what the products are able to help with and listen better um, you know someone who can repeatedly do that as opposed to just picking the next technical person up and just expecting everyone to do the same job in a pre-sales scenario so I think really came formalized and then people in that role started to see that there was a need to get paid in a, an incentivized way like, like account managers do so that you can focus on the deals and focus on winning business and, and realizing that you actually are in sales, right? Your, your job is not just to be a, an advisor or a technician, it's to actually help sell the software. So you, you have to realize that that is your role. And, and I think, you know, that, that transition has happened a lot over the last 20 years or so. Um, you know, I'm sure there's people before then, you know, who, who realize that's what their role was and all of that. But I think it, it is something that's emerged much more as a formalized role in, in that period of time. Right, right. Absolutely. And with someone having experience as extensive as yours, I am interested in knowing how do you, I mean, without going into specifics of the organizations, what are the, some of the metrics that you find very effective in tracking? What are some of the things that you do on a, on a day-to-day basis from your perspective at the leadership level? Yeah, so there's several different kinds of metrics here, Vic. So I'd suggest, you know, for me, the most important things are actually the outcome-based metrics. So are you winning more deals, right? So, and, and it could depend on what industry you're in as to what is a good win rate, first and foremost. If you're in a very competitive space, a 20% win rate might actually be good, right? <laughs> Depending on how much effort you put in. But in a, a very non-competitive business, like where you're the only player in a space, right. it might be about, you know, that you should expect to win most of your deals. It's then more a matter of how much effort and how much time go into those wins. So I, I think... You know, if you break down your business by the different offerings you have and work out what your win rates are and track them, um, then that becomes a very important kind of thing to compare uh, either between different pre-sales team members or different sales teams even. Um, and, and also over time, right? If you think your win rate is going up, then is that because you're getting better at what you're doing or you're presenting better materials? Right. Um, or if it's going down, does that mean that there's competitive influences that are, are, are stopping you, are hurting you? I, I really prefer those kinds of metrics way more than say just looking at how busy people are. Because if you ask people to be busy and you pay them more just to be busier, chances are people will find their way to, to have a lot more meetings, right? Right, right. yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as the pre-sales process itself is being more, getting more structured and last 
you know, for, for last some time. Uh, there are different parts of the pre-sales process. You know, it, it starts with qualification, demos, you know, discussions, engagements with the customer, goes into product evals. There are different names for it, some you know, POCs, POVs, depends on what is the coverage pilots. Uh, in your experience, while, you know, talking to other people and how have you seen this, uh, the product eval process or the POC process? How often do you see companies doing it? Is it something they do uh, all the time in every deal or do you see this happening sometime, not, not always? What's your experience on that? Yeah, there's different models, right? So it, you don't necessarily need to do a proof in order to sell a product. You know, these days, especially with SaaS products, the, the trial motion or the pilot kind of motion, let's sell you an introductory period and let you get on with things. Uh, that works for a lot of products, particularly more at the consumer level or at the small business kind of level. Right. Um, if, if you have the right product for that kind of offering. Um, most most companies where there is a significant amount of work into showing how the product performs the need for the customer though, they will probably want some kind of proof point before they agree to make a big upfront investment or a long-term commitment on it. And it's, it's those situations that I feel like good pre-sales teams uh, are most effective when they can help establish what, what the business case for that customer is. And I think often the business case needs to come first then you know show what the main proof points should be and agree with the customer on those and before you even get started agree on what the follow-up to a successful pov or poc should look like right so what what is the customer going to do when you show them that it does what they've asked for right and you know one more uh, point that i'm interested to dig deeper on this topic is there are a lot of different uh, kind of milestones during this whole pre-sales engagement process that we can probably spend hours talking about. Mm. But what I want to focus more on right now with you in this topic is, let's say the POC is done or POV is done. How do you recommend is the best way to close a POV? I mean, you know, to successfully say, uh, give a full stop and let everybody be happy about it and say, okay, we are done. How do you recommend, what are some of the best, best practices you can, you can offer? Yeah, so I think having an agreement of what the scope of that POV is from the beginning helps you, you know, close it down, right? You need to set off in the right way with an expectation that can be met in a certain period of time um, so that once you've done that, you can sit down at a table, maybe across a, a, a Zoom meeting or something like that, right. and, and run through the results of the POV with the people that, that are actually going to take action on it, right? So for that reason, knowing who those people to take action will be is very important. Um, making sure that they know that the person they're the person who's going to take action on it, because you can easily do a POV for the wrong person or for someone who's not going to take action or not empowered to take action. But then I, I guess once you've agreed what the, the scope is and, and you know, performed that scope, that's when you have that executive review. You go through what you've said you're going to show, you show it. And I, I think it's good to give them some kind of hand up that is a, a reminder of the POV, right? Because if you, you know, I think it's ideal that you do take it away from them maybe afterwards, so that there is a compelling reason. They need to, to engage you business-wise 
we were with a contract in order to keep using the solution. Right. Uh, because if you let that keep going for too long, um, you will end up not having any leverage, right? Yeah. And your product is valuable, right? Everyone's product does something that's worth doing or else they wouldn't be in business. So at some point you need to say, we've, we've shown what you asked for and we're ready to move on. Right, absolutely. And I think, see, um, this is always, um, one thing is for sure is, I won't think any company or any vendor will go to a POV or a POC if they don't know that, that they will win. I mean, we, we know that we can do all that has been asked for, then only we will go, otherwise, why would we do it? But I think what you said is really important is, if we don't define what is the scope and what exactly are we offering in the POV, then how would you close it? I think that is, that is uh, the key, key point there. So uh, I, yeah. yeah. I'd say though, Vic, um, everyone thinks they know that they can solve those problems or those issues for the customer, but, but your aim is to make sure that the customer knows that you can solve those problems for them. Right. And so that, right. that is part of the buying journey for them is, is, you know, telling you where their doubts lie or what they need to be convinced on. And because if they were convinced before the POV, the best action for you to actually go forward would be not to do a POV at all. It would be let's sign up a contract and, and move you forward straight away. If, you know, if, if you're going to, you know, get a new computer and install an operating system on it, you know what most of the leading operating systems do, right? You're not going to go and do a proof of concept of the operating system. It's a, almost a commodity product. And I think if you've gone very successfully through the early sales process and you have defensible you know, products that have been worked before in similar customer environments and they have a strong belief and, and confidence in your ability to perform, um, they don't need to have a proof of concept necessarily either. Right, I agree. I have one more question on this topic, a little bit different question. Usually, what do you think is the primary motivation of doing a POC? Because POC or POV or a pilot, because like, like you, I agree. I mean, you know, we shouldn't be doing the POCs or POVs just for the sake of doing it. What, what do you think is the primary motivation? Would you think uh, the primary motivation is to get a quick wins or to do the bake-offs or mm -hmm. um, to show, you know, product features? Uh, because your product is so awesome that you want to show customer everything and you think that will wow them. Uh, but what do you think typically companies do? What is the primary motivation to go into a POV or POC? Well, I, I think what it should be is more about um, reduction of risk, right? So they've seen you know, things that they want. They, they've seen you talk about the business value that you can deliver. And hopefully they, they believe in that to a, a strong degree. And usually what a good proof of concept is, is to show back that and repay that risk, right? We, we've taken your data. You've, you've seen that this works with our fake data in our demo and, or you've seen another customer use it. So you've had a reference and you, you have a high degree of confidence that we can do it sometimes. What you want to see is that it works in your organization with your data or with your servers or, you know, in your environment. And so I think it's about the reduction of risk so that they don't go and, you know, do a big implementation with a lot of people or they don't go and roll out a new system to a lot of users that won't be happy with it. They, they want to see and reduce that final bit of risk. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, now, uh, let's change gears a little bit. 
Do you have any favorite tools that you personally like to use to you know, manage the pre-sales or, or even to be effective in the pre-sales role, like maybe uh, some productivity tools or some tracking tools? What do you usually use in your day-to-day, some of the tools that you really like to use them? Yeah. So, you know, we've looked at a lot of tools in the past and I know there's a lot of pre-sales tools coming in into the market these days as well. It's, it's now a, a sector in the, in the sales marketplace of different kinds of tools. So it's an exciting category. Um, what, what I've used mostly um, to date is, is tools that are aimed at the overall sales organization, right? So Salesforce naturally, you know, is, is one of the main CRMs I've ever been dealing with. And for me, it's about managing some kind of link from pre-sales activity to the opportunities. So I, I feel like it's good to link them in. It's good to have some kind of record and, you know, ability to communicate with the sales team to record what has been going on in a given opportunity, because there can be a pretty big gap sometimes between some of the pre-sales activity and when a deal actually gets closed, right? You, right. you can do a proof of concept many months early if, if you're unlucky um, and be waiting to see what happens with the, the results afterwards, right? So Salesforce or the system of record, if you like, should have some touch from the pre-sales team to show what, what have you been working on? What is your influence? And I think that's important. Um, other things that my organization's been using a lot, you know, we use a lot of the sales tools like Gong and Highspot to record, um, you know, the different materials you might share with customers and, and to be able to track their usefulness and things like that. So linking that activity also back uh, to the opportunity records is pretty good, right? So that you can see uh, the customer was interested in this product, they saw this demo, and they were, you know, downloaded a few documents, and and they're all included in that record. So you know what they've looked at, and and I in an ideal world, I'd love to see the 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 causality causality kind of link between which documents seem to cause the most you know, happy customers in the long run, because that would be really useful. Um, it might even help you run a, a more efficient organization. Right. Um, what I'd love to do a better job on myself, right, is, is how we manage the actual uh, big proof of concept kind of activities, right? So one of the big things we do, we, we manage a lot of documents that you know, document that process and agree on success criteria and things like that. Um, and presentation materials around that. But I think where we could do better is actually managing what stage and, and being consistent across a global team of what stage is this proof of concept in? Is it in the planning stage? Is it in progress? Has it been completed? Has there been a deal closure based on that activity? Because all of those things um, can be different steps. And I think that they actually offer a lot of value back to the sales organization as a whole and the, the finance organization, because it could be a, a good indicator of how close are you to doing business with those customers as well. Absolutely. And even knowing how quickly you go through those steps, right? Right. You know, they talk about sales velocity being important, right? So how quickly do we go from a discovery meeting to a, a first demo meeting to a, a contract and to closing that contract? All of those things might be very interesting. If we could also look at how quickly did the customer want to go through the technical paces, right? Did they, did they drag their heels going into a proof of concept or were they very eager to do that proof of concept? Because I, I, I'm sure the more eager ones 
are, are actually the ones who buy quicker as well. Right, right. No, that's, that's amazing. Uh, I think it, it kind of aligns or it, it you know, uh, I see a very similar like questions, answers when I hear from uh, other leaders as well. I think um, you, you put it a very, in a perfect way. What I want to do now is to talk about the clubhouse, the presentation or the, the room that you run. Can you talk a little bit more about the clubhouse uh, activity that you're doing? I know you are on the clubhouse every Friday at 12 uh, noon central uh, and you cover for the pieces collective, but can you give more detail about what the intention is? What do you cover usually? Yeah, so I started using clubhouse around, I guess around the start of the year, right? For me, it's still a very new um, technology to use for social media and everything. Um, and the reason I found it interesting, you know, even just with general purposes with other rooms that I've been a part of, is that it's a completely audio-based uh, social media. And what that means is because it's audio-based, you have to pay attention, right? You, you're not off looking at some slides. You're not confused about whether I'm watching, you know, your demo or the, this, the words you're saying. You know, I'm not, you know, confused because the salesperson off on the, the left is not actually paying attention at all. They're tapping out emails or, or you know, they seem to be watching something else on their screen, not the, the, the same session that we're watching. So it, it's without its uh, visual distractions and all of that. And people pay attention, but also it's very conversational. In Clubhouse, you, you set up a room, you have moderators on the room and, and there's a stage and there's, um, anyone can join that room. And so for the Pre-Sales Collective, we run a Clubhouse room called Pre-Sales Talks. Each week we pick a topic and, and we make that topic an interesting thing that people want to talk about. And so a recent topic, for instance, was on multitasking. You know, is multitasking good or bad? I think we can guess which one I might lean on. Um, but in this room, then uh, people will just turn up. You know, within an hour, we run, we typically run the pre-sales collective one for an hour. They'll turn up and people can put their hands up. They can ask questions. And we generally, the, the discussion flows. So we might start out talking about multi multitasking, but we might end up talking about sales engineer to account executive ratios, or we might talk about metrics or tools. So it becomes a really interesting conversation that's led by whoever's there. And in, in my mind, it's, it's a lot like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's a lot like listening to a podcast, but one that you can then take part in because you can put your hand up and ask a question, um, or you can, you know, go and tell people how you got into pre-sales or, or things like that. So it's a really interesting room, um, a really great, uh, good way to, to start interacting more. And, and some of the questions there, are, are, you know, there's a great mix of people, either people wanting to develop their, their first role in pre-sales or, you know, learn a bit more about how to do their, their demos better or, or how to become better at pre-sales. And, and also some leaders who want to, you know, learn how to lead organizations in pre-sales better. Sure. Um, so for our uh, listeners, I would recommend you check out the Clubhouse Club that Precious Collective has created and they meet every Friday, 12 Central. And uh, one last question before we wrap up this podcast, Greg, you already mentioned about some, you know, multitasking and, you know, what is the right way or not the right way. We also talked about the book, you know, the Peter Cohen book and, uh, and John Kerr. 
amazing people. Uh, Pre-sales collective is building already a lot of good content. But at the, at your personal level, uh, do you have any any productivity hacks that you follow that you find very effective for yourself? <laughs> I, I'm very old-fashioned. I think the more I try to do crazy things, the the more mistakes I make. So <laughs> I, I like to keep it nice and simple. I, I think you know closing down as many windows that you don't need. Uh, when you're giving a demo, you know, trying to focus on the screen. Oh, a good one from my friend, Mark Green, shout out to Mark Green um, in the UK, is I, I have a little Lego figure and I know we're not showing the video of this, but I sit this little Lego figure on top of my camera and then <laughs> I can, if I'm worried about not giving eye contact to people, right. I just look at my Lego figure and then it looks like I'm looking right at the person, right? That's so I nice, can, actually. That's really cool. I could talk to the Lego figure and I'm talking to the customer. Yeah, that's actually, that's really a really good hack because it's always confusing where to look, especially when you're focusing on a presentation. And uh, so that's really great. Well, uh, Greg, it was, you know, it's a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, you know, we had really good conversation. I hope we join again in future in other podcast episodes, but thank you for finding the time. You're welcome, Vic. Always a pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by success.app. Sales engineering teams use success for running faster and efficient technical evals. Use Success AI to identify and mitigate POC risks. Run POCs faster, convert more POCs into technical wins. Book a demo now at success.app.